we don't even know what your body looks like, right? Like you could have absolutely transformed your composition mm-hmm. and have no change on the scale. But because our idea of what the scale should be, because what the fucking society tells us is right, yep. it's like, no. Mm-hmm. Anytime you think about what society wants for you, it's like, you're going to lose. Keto, Weight Watchers, Slim Fast, the Atkins diet, these are all words we're hearing about, especially right now, because it is the beginning of the year, you know, new year, new me trying to lose weight. If that's your goal, more power to you. We, you know, we don't judge at all on what your goal is. It's the way that we go about our goals is what's important. I've been working with a nutrition coach over the last year, a year and a half, and he has completely changed my life from going with a really diet culture mindset growing up. I'm 28, 28 years of my life, knowing nothing but diet culture, trying every diet in the book, including the ones I just named. As soon as I signed on with him, I started a journey of learning how to love myself, no matter what the weight is, how to not look at food as good and bad and how to have you know a sense of food freedom. So I'm very excited to have him, Frank Macaroni. Just kidding. <laughs> Guys, before the episode, I'm like, Kelsey, this is how you say it. This is how you say his last name. I wrote it out phonetically. <laughs> Macaroni's close. Mastrioni. <laughs> Frank Mastrioni. Just kidding, Frank. Um, it should be macaroni. That sounds we like that a lot, yeah. Um, but I'm so excited to have him on the podcast because I rave about him all the time. I feel like I yes. reference him a lot on social media. I tell Kat about him a lot of times. So I'm really excited to have him on to talk today. Yeah. He sounds so awesome. Um, I feel like this is a topic, like any kind of, honestly, like I feel it's kind of a shame because diet culture has ruined like diet topics for mm-hmm. a lot of people. So anytime I start talking about them with anybody, I almost feel myself pulling back. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a conversation I don't like, or this is going to be a conversation that makes me feel some yes. type of way. Right. But I feel like when Kelsey was like, Oh, Frank, you know, he's amazing. He's really changed my relationship. I was like, all right, we got to learn from him because he makes this a very approachable topic that is not stressful and, you know, just really works with you and shows you ways to work with yourself, to have a happy life and to feel really good at the same time. Um, Frank is a 28 year old nutrition coach, and he also is a CrossFit athlete. His company, which Kelsey obviously works with is dedicated towards individual coaching, uh, through the nutrition process. So basically he does an amazing job of helping people develop an understanding kind of as to what they should be doing within their daily habits and, you know, eating in ways that they can reach their goals if they have goals. Um, I know what you said, Kels, is that you love that he puts like the emphasis on developing a relationship with people. You guys will love him. So let's get right into it. Okay, guys, can you please welcome Frank Mastriani to call your girls? Hey, Frank. Hey, what's going on? Not hey. much. I'm so excited to have you on today. Me too. I'm excited. I can't wait. Yay. Yes, I am pumped. I've heard, Frank, I've heard a lot about you via Kelsey. I feel like every time we have an episode where we talk about literally anything nutrition related, Kelsey's (laughs) like, well, my coach. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, all right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, we've, uh, we've been working together for a little over a year now. That's a long time, honestly. And it's it's a a blooming relationship. (laughs) Honestly, it has like, you guys will hear a little bit more about how like he exactly, honestly, like has helped change my life. 
So I'm just really excited that you guys get like a little piece of him today on the podcast. So let's dive into it. Perfect. Um, Frank, I know that I don't know as much about you as Kels, obviously, and our listeners don't either. Um, Can you kind of give us just like a little background on how you got interested in health and what made you start coaching in the first place? Oh, interesting. So a lot of it came from my childhood being in sports, um, Mm -hmm. but primarily the nutrition stuff was like, for me, being an overweight child or like not having a really good relationship with food in conjunction with sports really like inspired me once I got older to focus more so on the food aspect of life in general. Does that make sense? So like, you know, I was always in training. I was always in athletics, like baseball and football, but the nutrition and health aspect was like the single thing that um, I always felt interested me the most because it was like my biggest struggle at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, do you find this too? I played like literally every single sport. And even like when you go to the doctor or when anything like that, nutrition is like never brought up, even in like gym class when you're, isn't that, do you find that so interesting? It's like, people are like, oh yeah, work hard when you're in the gym, work hard with sports. But as I mean, you know, more than anybody, nutrition is such a Mm -hmm. big component. I'm like, how do they miss that constantly? Yeah. And I think it's just a part of the education for specific, like programs, right? Like I think that Mm -hmm. nutrition is its own subset of study and they don't prioritize it as much for general physicians in our society for, I don't know why, like for whatever reason, I think most of them are like, Mm -hmm. like one course in nutrition in general and learning how to apply that. So they, it doesn't dive as like deep as you would want it to, which is where a lot of that comes from. Whenever you go to the doctor's visits, it's like very, um, they just brush by it. If that makes sense. For lack of a better way to say it, they just brush by the nutrition eating aspect of health. Mm -hmm. Which is so weird. And I feel like almost, it's almost like everybody's trying to navigate it. So they're like, oh, we don't even want to like get into that because like, (laughs) it's such like a, you know, interesting topic where everyone has a different outlook on it. And going off of that, one of the reasons why, obviously I hired you as my coach and wanted you to come on the podcast is because I love your mentality around health. It's so different from what I've experienced in the past. I like to say it's a more realistic approach, I would say. And I kind of want to know what I would love for you to explain to our audience about your outlook. And like, if you've always kind of had that outlook or if there was like a turning point for you. Yeah, that's a good question. So for me, I didn't always have this outlook of this flexibility towards eating in life right? Any of the diets that I've tried in the past were quite literally the most restrictive that you could imagine. So things of like no carb, no sugar. I used to even go as far as monitoring how, like I would buy cans of green beans that didn't have salt added because that's how drastic I would go within my eating habits just to try to get lean and lose some body fat. Right. So I've done a lot of the aggressive methods and eventually I just realized through education and time and having really good mentors that that was not the appropriate method. And so as I started to explore that, I realized that, which we've implemented with you of learning how to properly interpret your body's hunger signals. And basically starting from the the first principles question of saying, well, what type of life do I want to live with food? And then using that as the framework to structure your habits and behaviors from that, you'll have a lot more adherence to your own plan. You won't feel the need to cheat on your plan. You won't feel the need to deviate as often, which makes it a lot more sustainable. Right. And Mm -hmm. that came as a result of just like reading 
watching videos, educating myself through courses, certifications, and hiring other mentors. And then once I actually experienced it, that was the, like when you experience something, it sticks with you a little bit more rather than just having it be an idea in your head. Well, and you obviously, like you said, experienced it. Like when you have your own struggle in something, I think it just resonates with you so much more. And you're like, wow, this is, this is information more people need to know and people need to realize. Cause like, I know Kelsey and I talk about this all the time on here, like all of the things surrounding food and nutrition and dieting and anything are such like touchy topics because mm-hmm. people have, you know, so much like deep seated, like stress and trauma and years of just bad feelings about that. When you are kind of like approaching clients, how do you feel like you teach them about this if they're kind of like struggling with a background in diet culture? Like, how do you feel like you sort of shift their mentality to realize there's a better way that's more sustainable? So me. (laughs) Yeah. Example. (laughs) Well, honestly, I think listening is like the biggest thing that I have to do. I love that. Because yeah, the trauma aspect is like, I think really important because we tend to like... The thing with diets or eating in general, right? Like diet meaning just what we eat. Right. Whenever we are eating food, we have a lot of like self-sabotaging practices that we don't even know about. And so mm-hmm. when I can sit and listen to what somebody's saying to me and find either the negative framing that they're saying of like, oh, I'm fat or I feel terrible or food is good, food is bad. This like, I don't eat this because I'm scared it'll make me fat or gain weight. Right. Um, listening allows me to decipher through like what the the intention is of to why they're doing something does that make sense yeah so as i listen to them tell me their story because their unique story of how they're framing their entire weight loss situation is going to allow me to kind of come up with a more realistic starting point and plus if i listen and then i can relay their own situation back to them accurately the way that they described it to me they'll develop better trust if that makes sense yeah absolutely Do you think, are you saying trust in you as a coach or trust like in themselves as, you know, that the thoughts I'm thinking really aren't accurate, even though I've learned them for the past, like however many years of life, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe both I would say, Mm -hmm. um, trust in me because I might be recommending something that might be counter to what they think is right for them. Cause what we want to do for ourselves isn't always the exact thing that we should be doing. Right. And so Mm -hmm. if you, if I hire, for example, like people will hire me all the time and like they're under eating. And if I recommend that somebody eats more, I mean, that's like fucking terrifying (laughs) on on an eating standpoint. You know what I mean? Like absolutely, their idea is like more food means more body weight or body fat. And it's just not the case. So developing that trust by sitting and being able to listen is I think really important initially whenever somebody's coming from that diet culture or coming from Mm -hmm. the frame of mind of like, I need to eliminate a lot out of my life when in reality, it's quite the opposite. We should be looking at what we're able to do because that abundance attitude and the mindset of having abundance within options in life allows us to be less stressed out in relation to the food subject. Can you explain a little bit about, I know I'm totally open with us also like touching on my experience with you because I'm (laughs) open on it. Um, I know like other clients, you obviously don't want to talk about (laughs) their privacy, but I know like with me, when I came to you, I was eating like, I don't know, like 1300 calories and he upped my calories. And what is that called again? (sighs) 
It's called a, reverse dieting. Yes. Yeah, the idea Can you explain is a little bit of why, <laughs> mm-hmm. like why we do that or like, because <laughs> yeah. people don't get that. Like, okay, if you're consuming 1200 calories and like, say you do have a goal that you want to reach of weight loss. If you decrease to those calories, you literally would be starving yourself. So yes. Okay. So this is the, my favorite thing to like, talk about because this is the most common. Yeah. This is like the most relatable one. So I want everybody to know that this is like 99% of the people that come to me, right? Like very rarely are people like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is like (laughs) a lot. This is most of the people. So people come to me and they're like, Frank, I want to lose body fat. And and so what I do is I take them through an onboarding process to where I gather information about what they're eating. Now, if somebody really is actually gaining weight, the problem is that they're eating too much. Okay. In relation to what they're trying to do. And most people aren't properly educated on how many calories that they should be eating on a day-to-day basis. And to take that one step further, most people are not going to intentionally on their own explore how they can eat enough food to feel really good while balancing progression toward the goal. Okay. So now the issue in our society is primarily stress-related and not knowing where to start. Okay. So most diets work as a result of putting you in a calorie deficit so that you burn more calories than you're consuming. The problem is that they're not sustainable and they're asking way too much out of a person to achieve that weight loss or fat loss related goal. Mm -hmm. So what you have is this, people are stressed in our society, whether that's through social media, running companies, being moms, being dads, um, trauma, like you said, is a big one. Historical trauma with nutrition programs or diet programs in the past, things like that. Um, so when I, I review somebody's calories, they're highly stressed out people and they're normally under eating throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Now, whenever I say under eating, I mean, any diets that they've tried have probably been so aggressive that it leads to burnout and then rebound pendulum swing in the opposite direction of binge eating. This is diet rebound. This is This is very common. Now, The way that we fix that is we say, okay, well, you know, on the weekdays, you're really not eating that much and you feel like trash, your energy sucks, your attitude's irritable and like all this other stuff, but you're gaining weight. And then we look at the weekend and the weekends are usually full of booze, really high calorie foods and Mm -hmm. in very high amounts that we probably didn't anticipate, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. when you start to document it, you have a quantifiable number, like you have a legitimate number. And then you could put a number on it and say, okay, well, your average calories are this. So instead of having these big pendulum swings of restricting on the week within your day, because you're busy, you're busy working your nine to five, you're busy taking care of the kids. um, You're busy doing all these things, keeping up with the Joneses, basically. On the weekends, you pendulum swing towards eating a bunch because now you have free time. Now you have social interactions with friends and people take advantage of that because it's fun and it's kind of relaxing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But those weekends are a a rebound from the week. So when people say reverse diet, what we're trying to do is we're taking that really high weekend and that really low weekday, and we're trying to level it out, level it out to a maintenance that makes the individual feel incredibly good. Now, Mm -hmm. the reason why it's called a reverse is because more often than not, you're having one to two days where you're really overfeeding calories and all the other days are low. So instead of decreasing calories, we're reversing by feeding you a calculated amount. Now, the intention of feeding you a little bit more is to teach you 
what your body can actually handle. And so that we can slowly start to actually increase the response of your metabolism. In order to increase metabolism, you feed it, right? So think what I've been relaying to people is like, think of your metabolism like a campfire for an illustration, right? Mm -hmm. right? When you add wood to the fire, it burns hotter and bigger. When you pull wood away, the fire dies down. Mm -hmm. If you do too much at once, either way, the fire is going to be, you know, it's, it's going to go out no matter what. So we want to do it slowly. And so the traditional reverse diet is done over time so that not only do you learn the habits and skills that you need to, to make it sustainable, to acknowledge and say, oh, this is manageable. Look at all the amazing foods I can have. My body can handle 150, 200 grams of carbs per day and feel really good. Um, over time, you're feeling good. You're not feeling restricted and you're feeling the hunger elevate. You're feeling your body's natural signals. You're reducing a lot of the bloat. The desire to have those binging sessions on the weekends decreases, right? That's mm -hmm. the key. And that's the intention of why we implement a reverse diet. Now, <clears throat> it's terrifying because to eat a little bit more day to day is asked backwards to what people would normally do for themselves, which is right. where the trust part comes in and listening to the person's story. Mm -hmm. um, the intention in telling people, hey, this is why we're doing it helps bridge the gap between all of that uncertainty. And so if I can predict and say, hey, like we want your hunger to increase, we want all this to happen. And then the person can actually experience those things. Then we have confidence. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Oh, okay. that's so good. <laughs> interesting whenever you, so you mentioned good, I quotes, good and bad food and labeling food as good and bad. I feel like this is like huge, especially, I mean, with everybody, like I literally, dude, you'll go home for, <laughs> for Christmas. And like, we know like our parents, they just were born in a different generation where they like diet culture was like huge. And mm -hmm. it's just, you hear it all the time. And it like, like I, I was at a baby shower the other day and some lady started talking about her diet. No one even asked. You'd be proud of me. I literally stood up and walked out of the room. Like I was like, I'm not going to listen to this. So do you have any actionable tips on helping somebody like a listener develop mm -hmm. some type of food freedom and like mm -hmm. not labeling food traditionally as like good and bad or oh, listening yeah. to family members when they say things like this? Oh, that's like two things, right? So yeah. the thing with the family members is like, everybody has an opinion about everything. So Absolutely. you have to be careful of who you put in like a list of priority whenever it comes to valuing people's opinions. Yes. Right. There's like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you can't trust everyone's opinion. You can't even trust your own damn opinion, let alone yeah. like everyone else's. Absolutely. <laughs> so right. in terms of the food opinion, I mean, that's common in the workplace. That's common at home. That's common with friends and family. Everybody has an opinion over what you say and what you do. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of developing practical tips, I think a lot of people would benefit from learning how much food their body can actually handle. And, and, and what we've done with you, Kels, is what we've quantified it, right? So whenever I say tracking a food journal and I'm talking about reverse dieting, we're putting numbers to things. Like I educated you on macros and what those are. Mm -hmm. And that teaches you that, okay, like mac and cheese isn't bad food. It's like, it's just mac and cheese. How much of it I eat is going to have the largest impact on how I feel. Yes, exactly. Right? But but with other things like gluten or dairy, it's not bad for everyone, but people that do have intolerances, that's where we look at specific foods and say, how does my body handle this food? Not, not do I have to eliminate it because society says it's bad, right? Like I can eat mm -hmm. dairy. A lot of right. people cannot, right? So we have to start 
tailoring this to ourselves as individuals. And I encourage people to start asking the question of like, what do I like? And how does my body feel after I eat it? Okay. Now, if you feel terrible after you eat it, that could either be the food or the food amount, right? Mm, right. But at the end of the day, you have to look at it as an individual person. And to start eliminating the food guilt, we can start looking at it as in a specific amount, right? So when mm-hmm. we start looking at the amount of food that we have every day, you can start to build confidence to say, okay, like I might've had appetizers at dinner, but I actually don't feel bad because you know I chewed my food and I stopped whenever I was satisfied or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Because the labels that we put on food are highly influenced by diet culture in saying, you have to remove all this food if you want to lose the weight. No sugar, no alcohol, right, no yep. zero cal- like zero calorie beverages. Like I have a Coke Zero right here. Like you're not allowed to do all this stuff because it's bad. And it's like, okay, well, it's not the case. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're okay. Just monitoring the amount of the food that we have first and foremost. Yeah, that's such a good point. Especially like paying attention to how your body reacts to certain foods because like mm-hmm. celery, okay. Sure. Or Brussels sprouts, for example, my experience, Mm -hmm, (laughs) it's a quote unquote good food. Somebody will say it's healthy. I legit Mm -hmm. ate a whole bag of Brussels sprouts and almost shit my pants. So I did shit my pants. Like, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Those, those. (laughs) To be honest. Uh huh. Cat, <laughs> yeah. Cat's um, cat's vegan, so she eats a lot of Brussels sprouts. Probably, I do a there lot of. Go. Well, it's like those cruciferous vegetables or whatever they call it. They're so hard to digest. Every time I eat, I make anything with cauliflower. My body's like, mm, girl, <laughs> uh huh. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Chill Absolutely. out. I had a, I had broccoli, and I had the because I have a coach too, and I texted him. I was like, dude, I had like a lot of broccoli, and I looked right. nine months pregnant, yeah. and I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> And I, like it, it normally doesn't impact me, but that's an example yes. of like looking at specific Absolutely. foods that are labeled as good that might not be the best for you. And the way you said too, everyone is so different with that. Like I remember when I switched to a plant-based diet, I started eating like a ton of fruit. I always ate a lot of fruit. I just kind of like upped it a little. And I remember so many people were like, oh my God, that's so much sugar. That's a lot of fruit. And I was like, listen, I feel, I feel great. (laughs) I feel really good. I have so much energy. Like it, like you said, like those are foods that people are like, eat an apple, but oh, God forbid you eat too many apples and people are like, Mm -hmm. they have a problem with it. So I love that you guys are kind of taking the labels away from certain foods and just kind of, you know, it's a very personalized approach. That's awesome. Yeah. It has to be. I think that's why, like you mentioned that I, I track my macros and I really enjoy it. Like it is a personal approach because, you know, for others, maybe they have trauma around, you know, Mm -hmm. tracking macros before, but I really like it um, because it allows me to learn exactly like the, what the food is made up of. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like a lot of times people don't think that like food is just energy. Like that's one thing that you told me, like, it's like how much it's just labeling how much energy is in the food is what the macro is and coming. It's very sciencey. I think that's what really helped me is like, this isn't just a diet. Somebody made up. This is like science. This is numbers. This is like what my body feels good at. And this is the numbers that are in the food. So I want to talk a little bit about tracking macros and Wondering if you can explain a little bit more about it and what tracking macros actually looks like for someone. Interesting. Yeah. So starting off, all food is contained of calories and the calories are broken down into macros. So anytime you hear tracking calories, what you're doing is you're just, you're measuring the amount of energy that you're consuming. 
So we can be much more accurate on consuming food and measuring that than we can how many calories we burn per day because it's all estimations. When we track macros, we're tracking our food in a more efficient way. So, you know, all food is composed of three primary macronutrients, which is protein, carbs, and fats. Proteins are basically the building blocks of your muscles, also very essential for other health functions. Uh, carbohydrates are primarily like sugar, um, rice, you know, beans, things like that, pasta, um, apples, fruit, and all that stuff. The carbohydrates are essential for daily energy sustainability and workout energy. So it's stored for later use in the muscles as glycogen for exercise and really great workouts. Now, in terms of fats, fats are a catalyst for hormone production. They're an essential nutrient and they also support your nervous system, right? So when we balance these out and we have a decent ratio of each, um, we're able to be flexible within what we eat in our day. And we could say, okay, well, these are the macro targets that I have, which are different for everybody with mm -hmm. different intentions. For me, I'm a performance athlete, so I'm eating a lot of carbohydrate every mm -hmm. day. It, because it's in alignment with my daily schedule and what I'm trying to attain, right? So the intention of setting the macros also matters. Um, but what it essentially is, is it's a food budget. So let's say you have a monthly budget of $1,000. You can spend the $1,000 on whatever you want, as long as you like are within range of that $1,000. Macronutrients are no different. It's literally an objective reference range of what you can manage your food with, if that makes sense. And so with yeah. that- to take it one step further, the intention of setting macros is so it's like, okay, these are the macros for this phase. Mm -hmm. This is what we want to have happen. And this is how we can get it into our day. So then we come up with strategies and say, okay, well, let's eat a breakfast if you're skipping breakfast, right? Let's have a lunch if mm -hmm. you're skipping lunch, things right. like that. So essentially that's what macronutrients are. That makes complete sense. Um, Kelsey knows I used to track my macros for a few years and it wasn't wasn't the best for me because I think it personally made me like very hyper aware of things. But I also mm -hmm. think what you touched on, which I think is so smart, is like I think it doesn't hurt for everyone to kind of get a little bit of a handle on it because it made me understand so much more closely what was actually in things. Like, oh, this is what a half a cup of rice looks like. This yep. is how much this many carbs is. You know what I mean? Because if you don't know that stuff, you look at a label. Mm -hmm. And you have no idea what it means. I feel like just being a little more knowledgeable helps you to make um, choices that can get you closer to where you want to be. So like, even if you're not the person that thinks you want to track, would you kind of recommend just getting familiar with it for that reason? Yeah, I think you're spot on. Like, mm -hmm, I think, it, sure. yes, I, yeah, I think you're spot on because it does teach you like, what does four ounces of lean protein look like in right. meat form, right? Yeah. Like what does, that makes like sense. what is a cup of something? What is a half a cup of something? And then like okay. later on, you can just do things intuitively for sure. But I think that's the precursor. I also think that macros can be super overwhelming for people when they start off with a calorie amount that's like way too freaking low. Right. Absolutely. Yes. hundred yeah, percent. So like whenever you, like if you're new to tracking macros and you start mm -hmm. off at 1200 calories and then you're frustrated because you keep going over when yes. you should, because like 1200 <laughs> yeah. calories isn't Too enough low. for anybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, it can be just like a, a misinterpretation of what it actually is. Yeah. I like, can't believe I was eating like 1200 calories in college. Like you said and that I and I was like, like <laughs> I would do like two hours of cardio. I was, I was going through a bad breakup oh. at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so you were like, you know what the idea is. Everyone goes like, that route. Right? It's mm -hmm. like terrible. But another yeah. like plus side to macros is what I found is kind of learning how, what a balanced meal looks like. 
you know, like a pasta meal that doesn't have like meat in it or like some kind of, I'm just like, okay, this is like low on protein, but like normally if I wasn't aware of macros, I'd be like, Oh, like this looks like a pretty like wow meal, like Mm -hmm. pasta, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you're like, yeah. oh shit, there's no protein in this. I get like a little protein from the cheese, but like right. Yeah, you're able to kind of like see like what essential nutrients are missing out of your day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think exactly. too, it gives you a mindset on for me, I had seen how like much fruits and vegetables like weren't shifting my macros. So I was like, mm, I'm gonna throw a vegetable into everything. Like it makes everything. you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just makes mm-hmm. you add in foods that you know are really nutrient dense, but aren't super calorically high. Like I think it encourages you to have more of them, which was a good side effect for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Um, you touched a little bit on intuitive eating, which I love when I started stop tracking macros, I like read a book about it and stuff. I was like, this is so mm-hmm. interesting. Can you kind of explain a little bit more about what that's like? Cause I feel like that concept in general is like very scary for people who are used mm-hmm. to tracking everything. Cause it feels like you're going to do something wrong. So can you kind of give us a little background on that? Yeah. And I, I actually want your feedback on what I'm about to say, just sure. with the book set, because this is just like my own I don't know about creation, but like my interpretation of what mindful eating should be. Mm, Absolutely. And so my idea of, of mindful eating, um, on a meal by meal standpoint is like, all right. And I learned this from a functional medicine doctor that I hired a couple of years in 2018. And he taught me a lot of Oh yeah. He's great. His name's Dr. Ben house. So he, um, he was like, you're eating too fast. Let's slow it down. And I was like, okay, well, interesting. I've never like I house food, like I house yeah. it. You know, uh, it's disgusting. I understand. So he was like, he was like 15 minute clock. And I was like, oh, five minutes in, I'm almost done with my meal. I'm like, this is crazy. This is crazy. It was like 10 or 15 minutes. And so I was like, damn, but I like, I do feel better. Like I'm eating too fast. I'm not even chewing my food. So then you like, it feels better on your stomach after you eat. Right. So what I recommend to people is I'm like, all right, if I'm out with friends and we go get like sushi or something and I know I'm going to eat a lot of food or I'm worried about what I'm eating might not be perfect on like my calories or macros, I'm going to slow myself down. And the way I'll do that is I'll chew my food all the way mindfully. And this doesn't, this isn't a toxic habit. So like putting energy into this and making this a thing isn't really like a negative. It's just as you're hanging out with friends, you're chewing your food, having conversations in between bites, you're pausing and having a sip of your drink, whether that's alcoholic or water or whatever you're doing, right? Have a sip of drink, Mm -hmm. pause. And then you're also like listening to how hungry am I when I'm at the restaurant or with my friends and family? And at what point during the meal am I getting satisfied? And what's the difference between being satisfied and being full? Because that, like my interpretation of that is different than what yours might be or Kelsey's might be. Like, for example, I can overeat without any effort. Absolutely. Every time. (laughs) And some people can't. Like, I know some people who just, they just eat half their meal and they're done, right? So learning your own relationship with your fullness cue and your hunger signals is important. Yeah, I I love that outlook because you're right. And you touched on, you were like, it doesn't have to be that hard almost too, right? Because you hear this and you're like, oh God, this is going to be like a labor. Every time I have a meal, I'm going to have to like overthink it. And I think when you kind of just learn, like you said, your own cues, just take a little bit of time to learn them. It definitely makes it easier. And slowing down when you said that, I was like, yes, <laughs> that was like the biggest one in the book. Cause they were like, people eat so fast. And then you always go back for seconds, thirds, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like you said, everyone's so different. I know I'm the type of person that can eat a shit ton of food. (laughs) 
So I'm always like, where do I, where's my stopping point? You know? And I think the more I slowed down, the more I was like, oh, okay, I'm good. Or if you still feel hungry, that's when you know to, you know, get something else. So I think that's good. Well, the thing is, is like, you can eat so like you can eat past your fullness cue. And by the time your brain sends you the signal, it's like, it's too late. And then you feel exactly. like you're dying. <laughs> and then you're like, oh my God, yeah, I absolutely like, it. Yep. <laughs> I screwed <laughs> it up. <laughs> yeah. And like this subject needs to be added to the list of like shit they should have taught us in school. Uh, like, why did we yeah. not get taught in health class? Like, okay. Like, I mean, this sounds silly, but like we should have like all sat down for a meal and they should have gave us like a journal that says like, okay, listen How to your feel? body. <laughs> Yes. Like yeah. this is a legit curriculum you're writing on. I love yeah, it. seriously. <laughs> like taxes, yeah. how, like intuitive Funny eating. Like, eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. Like we got <laughs> fucked over, man. Yeah. Um, it's okay. So true. <laughs> I want to talk about something that is very um, sensitive to some people the scale. Um, I really want to talk about your philosophy on it. So I know as a client of yours, I started when I had a really bad relationship with the scale, um, we didn't use weight as anything. Um, and now I feel very confident that I, um, can hop on the scale every day and it cannot impact me as much or even a little bit mentally. Um, do you feel like progress is innately tied to the scale or is it more of a tool that you use? Um, and if somebody does have a bad relationship with the scale, what are other ways that you can measure progress, whether that be, you know, gain weight, lose weight, whatever your goals are. Mm -hmm. The scale has a lot to do with the stories that we're told as a society of what things should be. Mm -hmm. Right. If you're taller, you're probably going to weigh a little bit more when you train and you're a healthier version of you. Right now, the weight isn't tied to any form of our worth. It's just what we weigh. Right. And I think it's way more intelligent to look at the scale as one single tool, but that tool is actually directly impacted by a lot of lifestyle variables, such as stress, sodium, water consumption, Mm -hmm. menstrual cycle, soreness from the gym, inflammation, sickness, altitude, things, all that type of stuff. So to put all of our emotion onto something so silly as the scale to determine how we feel about ourselves and our progress is just a waste of it's misplaced energy, right? Mm-hmm. It's misplaced yeah. emotion. Exactly. Um, a lot of times we misinterpret the weight anyways, and we weigh incorrectly. So like the worst possible way that people could be weighing is like once a week randomly or like mm-hmm. randomly in general. Right. And the right. reason being is because you could be weighing your body on like the heaviest day, for example, I always can bet any number of money on the fact that if I have a client that has alcohol on Saturday, they will weigh heavier on Monday every Mm -hmm. time without fail, even myself, right? right? That's just how alcohol, water retention and weight retention and metabolism works, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't know that and you're weighing yourself every Monday morning, you're like, fuck, like, you know, the weight's not coming down. Mm -hmm. It's a failure, but like you're just having alcohol once a week and you're not even overdoing it. You could be misinterpreting your progress. Um, there's a lot of like dietary standards, like BMI is like full of shit. Like, I mean, I'm five, five, one eighty five, and technically I'm obese based Mm -hmm. on like that. And clearly like this is not the case. (laughs) Yeah. Kelsey, I did this, the, um, scan at F 45 and it literally was like, 
it put me like over the average schedule. It was like obese. I was like, I yeah. feel pretty fucking good. Yeah. Thank you for touching shit, on that. Man. Yeah. It's full of shit. I mean, it's just a really like they had to come up with something to like measure the population of the country. Mm-hmm. And that's what they came up with right. Now, on an individual level. It's absolute shit. So people should just like kind of take it for what it is and just yeah. know that it's good to know. Yeah. It's not them. Right. Yeah. Uh, the same thing with the scale in general. I mean, you need context, right? So w- the thing with the scale is that it's just a number, right? Like that's all it is. And when you tie your emotion or your expectation to it, that's when things get real dicey on a psychological and emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for example, with Kelsey, I-, I asked her, I was like, are you ready to walk down this road with me? And do you trust me with this? And what we did was we went the next step and said, let's wait every day. Mm-hmm. And what this did was, and I told her this, I said, if we weigh every day, you're going to learn what your body likes to hang out at. Right. You're going to know trends, right? Because like I could not drink a lot of water today and feel like crap tomorrow and the weight will reflect it in the way that mm-hmm. it does. But if I don't know my trends, I'm not going to know that like a five pound spike is just a five pound spike for the day. Right. So what this Absolutely. does is you visit it more often by confronting it with the intention of saying, this is just what I'm learning about my body. And I'm not that thing that I'm observing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes, exactly. It honestly, like weighing myself every morning, I weirdly love it. Cause like you do, you're right. Like you learn, like I completely working with you for over a year, I've learned to separate emotions from this and to really like, look at it as science, like look at it as exactly like, okay, I had a lot of salt yesterday. So like, I'm going to be up on the scale, you know, even if I was like within my macros, if I had a lot of salt, like, okay, I'm up on the scale. So you learn like, but you don't feel bad. Right. And you look at it, you're like, Mm -hmm. how do I actually feel? And I will say this though, because there are, there are many people listening to this that might actually struggle with the scale. Absolutely. In order to make this change, you have to be ready. This isn't something that like, you should just start weighing yourself every day tomorrow. You should be mentally ready before you start doing something like this. You know, I always recommend on focusing on building the best possible daily energy and habits that you find manageable with food before you ever worry about any of this stuff. Hence, like why Kelsey and I haven't even done it for like a year because it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Doesn't the the body weight doesn't really matter. What matters is are you waking up enjoying your life whenever it comes to food. And if we can get you feeling your best, the body will reflect that in how you feel in your clothing, which is another way to track progress, mm-hmm. as well as how you feel after meals and how you feel in the morning and how you feel in your workouts. Like all of those things are way more important. Yeah, I love that. That's It's all so good because you're right. You are tied to this number and you feel like, you know, it's it can be an uncomfortable thing. Like even when you go to the doctor and they're like, oh, you gained five pounds and you're like, okay, you know, I'm working out. This could be muscle. This could be that. Like, I love that you said the scale, the scale doesn't necessarily reflect like necessarily, you know, fat gain or weight gain, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. it can be, it can be a million things and it's just a tool. That was perfect. Let me provide, let me give you an example. So let's say you implement a method of eating, right? Mm -hmm. You weigh yourself and it's like, okay, whatever the weight is. Yeah. Okay. Then three months from there, your energy is higher. You're own education as to what your body can handle in terms of food is improved. You don't crash anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not irritable. Your cycle's pretty regular. Like you're sleeping much better. You don't have any digestive issues, but the scale doesn't change. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, 
now we have something to work with. And like, what's wrong with the number being what it is? Nothing. Yeah. Right. We don't even know what your body looks like. Right. Like you could have absolutely transformed your composition mm-hmm. and have no change on the scale. But because our idea of what the scale should be, because what's the fucking society tells us is right. Yep. It's like, no. Mm-hmm. Anytime you think about what society wants for you, it's like, you're going to lose. So yes. just stay away from it. Exactly. It's just better not to talk with like friends and family that like just don't get it about nutrition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, they make you, you know? question yourself too, you know, like, when you feel good, like then you talk to someone and then you're like, oh my God, am I doing something wrong? It's yeah. Boring, exactly. but- <laughs> also a little tip of anyone listening to this that like is still struggling with the scale and you do go to the doctors and like they weigh you, whatever. I've, I've asked before, like, do you mind if I just stand on it backwards? Like, and don't look at the number and like, they're like, yeah, sure. Like no one cares. So just a little tip, like you don't have to look at the number if that is not healthy for your mental health. So just to share that. Um, so Frank, you've said this in so many different ways. So I kind of want to bring it to people, you know, kind of together because it is so important. You're like, Goals, health, all of the above are so much more than just the nutrition component, which you're obviously Mm -hmm. so knowledgeable about. You clearly are very knowledgeable about the mental health component too. Um, Kelsey said before too, how you guys talked about like how uh, stress affects your goals and how, you know, Uh any other mental health, not necessarily issue, but just day in and day out can affect your goals. Can you explain a little bit about that? about the stress aspect of things like managing it. Yeah. Yeah. um, So like exactly on a complex standpoint, we have stress hormones that regulate everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So like if I experience a car accident, my stress hormones are like going to spike. Right. Right. The problem with our society is like within that under eating of the week and the excess stress, like Mm -hmm. it's just exhausting. So we have to determine how much can we eat and feel really, really good. Once we can get you to a place where you're not experiencing brain fog, not these like really volatile up and down mood swings, Mm -hmm. and we can start thinking with clarity is when we start to make better decisions. Because it's like, how can we expect anybody to feel fucking good if they're like stressed all the time, right? Like, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's not, that's not good for me. Like, I'm pretty disciplined enough. If I have a stressful day, it's like, it's tough to focus. It's tough to focus on like, it's tough to even act like I actually care, even though I know that I care. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Like, even though I know that I care, I'm like, ah, I don't care. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you're just saying that because you're stressed out. So, um, so f- nutrition and the amount of food that we eat has a large impact on our ability to cope with stress as well as our environment, obviously like the people that we surround ourselves with. Um, I unfollow a lot of social media accounts when they start to like, get me to like think negatively about myself or that mute button is clutched. Like you just mm-hmm. mute stuff. I need stuff all the time. So do I. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So scheduling rest days from the gym and not feeling like you have to punish yourself with endless amounts of exercise because you felt off one day or one weekend. Like that's a really good one as well. Sleep hygiene. So like coming up with a nightly routine for your sleep habits. So dimming the lights, you know, putting on like some diffuser, having a hot shower, doing some light stretching, reading a book. All of those things are things that are worth considering. Um, And it's always better to like focus on the habits aspect before you get into like supplementing or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So that's my input on like the stress aspect of it. I love that. Cause it's all stuff. You made it sound like it's all stuff that really is within your control. Like obviously if you have a bad day, that's not within your control, but managing it really can be within your control if you have good habits behind you, which Mm -hmm. is great. It makes you feel 
you know, like you can, you have it together. <laughs> I love feeling like I have, I have tools that I can help myself with. Well, yeah. There's always stuff that we can do, right? Like right. there's always stuff within our control and we yeah. can uh, choose, for example, right? Let's say you face adversity. Mm-hmm. You can make the decision to say, oh, I'm a victim, poor me, like everything in my life sucks. Or you could choose to say, okay, this does suck, but I'm going to overcome this and I'm going to find a way to make this day better from here moving forward. Like I'm going to make today a better day and I will not let this defeat me forever. Right. Right. This, so if you have a stressful experience, you can make the decision, but it has to, like, you have to voluntarily make the decision to mm-hmm. say, I'm going to no longer accept these habits and I'm going to change them. And this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, exactly. When I first started with you, I was stressed the fuck out. And it was all about like, (laughs) it was all with my business because I was putting everything into my business and I would put like myself and my mental health on the back burner. So that's like one thing that you really helped me with is realizing, well, one, stop stressing the fuck out over work. And two, like realizing that stress really does impact your goals, whatever that may be which is so interesting. Same with hormones, which I would love to touch on. I know it's very different for every different type of person. Um, (laughs) But can you explain a little bit like how hormones too also play a role in our goals? Yeah. So this is really complex. I'm just going to talk about it at the length at which I understand it for right now. Cool. And I usually like refer people out who really have complex hormone issues to people Mm -hmm. within my network or other health professionals. So, um, I think the hormone aspect comes secondary as a result of inconsistent habits. Mm -hmm. It's safe to say that if somebody eats and drinks like garbage, meaning that like they don't, they're acting as if they don't care. They're Mm -hmm. stuck in a cycle of self-sabotage. They're constantly drinking, Mm -hmm. constantly eating high fat, really greasy foods. They're sedentary that they're going to have some sort of like imbalanced hormones. Okay. So I always start with looking at physiological symptoms to correct everything that I can help them correct before addressing hormones. Mm -hmm. Now, when we talk hormones, I'm primarily talking about the stress, the stress hormones, Mm -hmm. right? Because the stress hormones are directly connected to everything such as the thyroid, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, Mm -hmm. all of the, all of hormones, hunger hormones, leptin, ghrelin, all of these things, right? So we have various different types of hormones that your brain produces as a response to stress. Okay. Now with hormones, it's very interesting because they need to be balanced out and the issues come whenever they're imbalanced. Right. Right. And so we don't, we don't really, we can't assume when people have imbalances, we can only do that through professional blood work. So it's not safe to be like, oh, I think that person's like imbalanced. Like you have to have the blood work with a professional to determine like, like Kelsey had blood work done. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, what's going on. Okay. And then you can craft the solution. Okay. So then the solution is usually going to be something foundational and fundamental as in let's look at the habits that you're implementing in your week that are not serving you. That might be detrimental. Like you might be saying yes to too many work obligations and it's overwhelming your entire system. Right. Right. Let's say you're literally not allowing your body to recover because you're stressed out about deadlines. You're stressed out about finances. You're Mm -hmm. stressed out about serving everybody but yourself. So you have this, your body has this tense stress response. That's like low key trauma. And so if you're in that stress response, you're going to have other 
related issues, right? So it's always better to start with what habits can we start changing that for the individual person will be actually manageable, (laughs) will be actually manageable, and that you'll be able to be consistent with that we think will get you to feel much better. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think it helps too, to hear you say like, you know, if you really do think you have a problem, blood work could help. Like I think too many people just like throw shit around like that. Right. Like if you're, if you're dieting and you're not losing weight and someone's like, Oh, well you might have a hormone thing. (laughs) Everyone's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That does nothing. No, we have to look, we have to see like what, like you have to get thyroid panels done. You like you should, Mm -hmm. like you should be able to look into your own body's hormone levels. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then from there, it's like, well, you see a lot of it in like hypothyroidism. And, yeah, and a lot of that's right. due to stress and so many damn diets. And, and this is why nutritional history matters because right. every time you diet, it leaves a mark. It's why it's so exhausting. It's, it's not meant to be sustained, which is why yeah. I'm always uh-huh. encouraging people t- to learn, okay, I need to figure out how to do this sustainably. So what will that look like if I start small and build, right? Because then yeah, you right. reduce the risk of like all of these hormone related issues and energy deficiencies later mm-hmm. on in life. You led us perfectly to this. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about insistent, not sustainability. Um, keto. So keto has gotten so popular. I feel like everyone and their mother is like, yeah, I just do keto. I only eat bacon and peanut butter. And you know, it makes people, yeah. <laughs> and it, <laughs> everyone's like, oh, you're not keto. <laughs> Um, and it makes people, I feel like so scared of carbs, like even fruit, even vegetables. Um, can you share kind of like how you feel like a balanced diet is so much more important than just like cutting entire food groups and why that's something that isn't, you're not going to be able to keep up with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Keto is interesting too. It It can be super effective, but you can really mess up on it whenever you come out of it. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did keto before and I lost 10 pounds, gained 17. So <laughs> that sounds about the trajectory. It's tough. I, well, well, I think about the first principles of it. It's like, okay, are you going to eliminate sugar for the rest of your life? It's like, the answer is no. So like, we should probably start to develop a better relationship with what a carb is and educate you right. on how we can actually implement it within your day. Mm-hmm. The best question I can think of, or I have thought of up to this point has been like, Okay, carbs are not bad. They're just carbs. So right. how many carbs can my body handle to support my energy? What types of carbs are those? And then you figure that out, right? So for me, the number is 300, 325. I know mm-hmm. that. I know Got what it. foods responds well for me. Other people, it might be 150, mm-hmm. right? Their body might be absolutely on fire, 150 carb. Body looks great. Workouts are awesome. They feel great, right? abundance of options. It's like that might work for them. So we can't label food groups as bad. Like it's just not the truth. Right. Um, I think the intention at which people start to implement any diet is because they want to feel sexier, feel leaner, feel lighter, lose the body fat and feel better about themselves. Mm -hmm. But starting from a place of restriction is never going to get us that internal fulfillment that we want because it's just going to be way too difficult to adhere to. So we should start from a place, like, I think we should start from a place of like asking better questions, not just implementing something that's super aggressive like that. It might work for many people, but just because other people might be experiencing it, even the stuff that I'm relaying to Kelsey, for example, Mm -hmm. the way that she's weighing her body, that same application might not be right for somebody listening right now. So it's important to determine 
who am I and what type of lifestyle do I want to live? And then find a method of eating that fits that vision. It is kind of insane how personal nutrition is. And the insane part is how we just like categorize things into these boxes. Generalized. Yes. Like keto worked for me. It worked for my aunt. It worked for my cousin. Like it'll definitely work for you. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, not the case. That's not like reality. And like, that's not the problem. That is the problem I have with these like diets Mm -hmm. is like. (laughs) A lot of it's money. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. Exactly. A lot of it's money. A lot of people are selling it. They make profits. So they want to, you know, sell to more people and more people, but it's just like, you're, it's not sustainable. You see it. You, I mean, it's a very, very lucrative, lucrative industry. It's harder to do things the way that I'm explaining it. I'm not going to lie. Like it's way harder. It's fucking hard to have these types of conversations and sit down and take the necessary time and do it this for way sure. and, develop, and develop these skills. But is it better on the individual level? For sure. Because then like, that's, like you're equipping yourself with the knowledge and the and the tools to know what your deficiencies are, where your self-sabotaging happens within your brain and within your habits and things like that. And that's empowering. And that's ultimately what we want. Yes. I, I know even for me, like one of the reasons why I, other than my personal goals working with you is like, I'm going to have kids someday. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want my kids to feel like how I felt growing up with like, absolutely, you know, diet culture, really like being in my household. Like I want to, and I'm only 28. Like I have a lot, hopefully I have a lot more years to live. Like this is a topic that I really just wanted to tackle rather than being like, Oh, I really don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, should I do this? Should I do that? I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm going to actually figure out like yeah. the science behind this and how I actually should look at it. And you have helped so freaking much. So oh, I appreciate it. You trusted, <laughs> you've trusted me big time. So yes. uh, a lot. <laughs> Yeah. But that's the, that's the issue with dieting, you labeling, like forcing yourself into a box, not structuring it around you as a person. Mm -hmm. And with our society that is so abundant with food and so abundant with drinks and restaurants Mm -hmm. and just like sharing food with people, because it's such a, it's such an amazing thing to share with people and friends and family. Um, The chances of you implementing something super aggressive and enjoying those days is going to be very tough. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just finding a more sustainable balance. Like I know it sounds so cheesy, but anything good worth having is like never easy, you know? So even though all this stuff is hard, it's, it's absolutely worth it at the end of the day. I feel like. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, inter- uh, excuse me. Intermittent fasting is another one of the techniques we hear about constantly. I feel like every, every one of my friends is like, yeah, I'm inter- intermittent fasting. Can you explain what it is? Um, mm-hmm. And are there any actual benefits or is this all just like hearsay. Okay. So anytime you want to lose body fat, you have to eat in what's called a relative calorie deficit. So you're Mm -hmm. burning more calories than you consume. Now, intermittent fasting is just another method of doing that. So you have Mm -hmm. a window at which you don't eat, and then you have a window at which uh, that you consume calories. Right. So let's say like 18 hours of fasting and then six hours Mm -hmm. of eating. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, that's it. That's the proper window. Make so sense. the theory, I was just seeing if I could math right in my head. With other <laughs> Me too. I was like 24. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was finger counting on my hands. So basically the idea is like, okay, you're only able to eat in a six hour window and you can only eat so much food in a six hour window. So, you know, but here's the thing. If you consume in a surplus within the six hour window, 
it's going to be a surplus within the six hour window. It doesn't matter if you're fasting uh-huh. right now. I've used fasting a couple times. Um, and I've seen it work for people that have a really, really, really difficult time overeating on a regular basis. So these are very overweight, obese clients gotcha. and it worked by giving them confidence within at least a short frame of time. Right. Cause you, cause honestly, you can only overeat so much within a six hour or four hour time frame. So this gave them confidence to say, okay, I can control at least something Absolutely. within my day. So that's where I could see it pay off, but otherwise it's going to be very difficult to, uh, it's just, it's just challenging and it's like, it's unnecessary. Yeah. It's unnecessary. Yeah. That's such a good point is like, okay, if you're lessening the amount of time that you're allowed to eat, like obviously you're not going to overeat mm-hmm. well, most 10, nine times out of 10. So it's really just like you're eating less. Like you could it's eat. It's just another form of restriction, right? Yes. It's, yeah. it's the yes. lens of like cup is half empty type framing. So I also heard that it helps our digestive system not eating that late, maybe at night or like first thing in the morning. Or do you believe that or no? No. Okay. That's, no, that's <laughs> your, really good. That's your good face was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean, like it just depends on the person, their schedule. You know, what if you're a law enforcement officer or nurse getting off of shift work? It's like, okay, exactly. we're going to just uh, not eat dinner when you get home at 1130 at night. Of course. It's like, you should yeah. probably eat dinner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. Thanks for clearing that up for us because I know mm-hmm. a lot of times people are like, same thing with keto, like intermittent fasting worked for her. All she did was intermittent fast. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all she did. <laughs> yeah. All she did. <laughs> yeah. So, whatever. Um, okay. I want to bullshit about um, the social stigma of body weight um, because I know you touch a lot about this on your Instagram, by the way, he'll put his Instagram at the end. He, you could get so much information just like by following him. Um, so I think it's really funny and crazy to me that when we gain weight, it's almost looked down on or like quote unquote, the worst thing ever. When in reality, the reason most of us gain weight, like seven times out of 10 is because we are out making memories with friends, traveling, indulging, having fun. Um, So in a society that puts so much pressure on weight and what we look like, how can we stay grounded and navigate this a little bit? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's anything that's society, like I said earlier, I think anything that society wants for us, it Mm -hmm. it has to, like, we should focus on what we want for our life, not what society says is acceptable and normal. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing about body weight. Like you shouldn't feel guilt unless it's genuinely making you unhappy. If your habits and behaviors are making you unhappy, that's an internal thing. But in terms of like the weight coming up on the scale and that being a bad thing, it's just context matters there. Like if you take a, if you take a, anybody who hasn't Mm -hmm. trained much and you start to put them onto like a muscle-based program or Mm -hmm. a weightlifting program, they're probably going to gain lean tissue, which means that their weight's probably going to go up. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's bad. They're probably getting a much healthier body in the process. Um, And like you mentioned, it's like, well, what if this person has been depriving themselves of going out to eat because they're afraid of eating food. Like people do avoid social situations Absolutely. out of fear of weight gain. Absolutely. So we have to acknowledge that like that could be a massive psychological and emotional win for somebody who's going out and eating calorie dense foods and maybe putting on weight. We also have to acknowledge that like there are really people out there who need to gain weight. 
to, mm-hmm. to have optimal health, right? Like, right. I mean, if you're really, really underweight, that's like also not very good. So gaining weight might be the best thing that happens to a lot of people out there, right? Mm-hmm. It's not always about weight loss. And so there's a lot of different angles to take on the subject matter, but I think it just framing it in the most positive individual ways, the roadmap to your own, like happiness and fulfillment. Like it doesn't matter if you're 130, it doesn't matter if you're 160, 70, it doesn't matter if you're like 180, 190, like what matters is the quality of your life and how you feel about your progress moving forward and how you're able to sustain any results that you get. Not, oh, it, like I feel really good, but the weight's not down. So I'm a failure. It's like, no, it's not the case for anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so good. And like the way you said, focus on what you want. Cause sometimes it's like, you see things over and over again and you think to yourself, like, should I want that? And that, that's not even what you want. That's not even what you want to look like. You know what I mean? Like that's not your ideal. Um, well, these social media platforms are d- literally dedicated towards telling you what you want, right? It's they take all of your data and then they feed you a whole on. bunch of bullshit. Like I'll mm-hmm. think about like, a red velvet cake and it'll pop up on my damn feed and be like, <laughs> shit, like now I have a sweet tooth, you know? 100%. And it's, like, and it's like, it's all dedicated to get you to spend more time on the app, to spend more time touching different links on the app and get you to buy mm-hmm. into what they think is right for you. Mm-hmm. And you have to disconnect from that sometimes. Yeah. Do you think for you, because I know that we talk about this all the time, but like something that really does help is you know, with social media, it's kind of just monitoring who you're following because at the end of the day, as much as it'd probably be better for us to all take a step back and never be on it again, it's not realistic. So you're trying to more so create, you know, a a feed of people that you feel really good about. Um, And the thing is too, right? We talk about this again all the time, but people are only posting their highlight reel. And you kind of touched on this a second ago, like, yeah, maybe someone looks quote unquote, how you want, but maybe they're really restricting and maybe they're so miserable. Oh my God, I know, <laughs> dude. I had a question the other day and, and she was like, why do all these, and it's, it's bad, dude. Like, mm-hmm. why do these, why are these people absolutely shredded and freak athletes? I'm like, you don't understand that mm-hmm. they're number one, there's a genetic component. Number two, a lot of people are on steroids and drugs that you have no idea about number three a lot of them starve themselves and you have no fucking idea how much they starve themselves and just because they look that way doesn't mean that they're happy fulfilled or even feel good i know so many people that i've met behind the scenes that have some sort of gi dysfunction some sort of like energy dysfunction and they do not have the best relationship with food right Mm -hmm. so just because it might seem that way on social doesn't mean that it is that way. And that's the the hardest part because it's all like, even as transparent as I am, I would be lying if I said that there's not like a mask that comes on on social media at times, not all the time, but it's just like how it goes. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be careful about what story we tell ourselves about what we see. That's so good. Well, you're so right because at the it, everything you say, we're like, yes. Yes. <laughs> we're all on the same like, page. I don't know if I can trust it. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm no. saying, what I'm saying is shit. I don't know. No, it's it's perfect. Well, because you're right. I think sometimes too, it's not it's not necessarily negative. Like I know me and you have talked about this before, Kels. Like you, everybody wants to put their best foot forward, right? Like that's just natural in life. Like you want to show up as good as you are and you kind of forget to share some of the struggles. So I think we need to just like put in our brains too, that there's so much more than you see, you know, like you just have to remember that because people aren't always going to remember to share those kind of things. It's like, you just have to remember it's, 
it really is one piece of the puzzle always. Mm -hmm. So that was so good. Exactly. And what you said before, like a lot of it is money. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of it is money. A lot of it's money. Yeah. Sadly. I mean, everything's monetized now. I mean, and it just depends on like, again, if you see something and it makes you feel bad, question why it makes you feel bad. Yeah. Love that. Oh, I just hate like the diets are now monetized. Like I got reached out to by a diet company to work together. And I just was like, oh, so cringed at like the fact that people agree to this and like, oh, you're just influencing people to like go on a specific diet that worked for you, but may not work for them. It's just like annoying as fuck. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could go on forever. Um, especially like, okay. In the fitness industry, I don't follow as many fitness people. You probably do. Cause you're in that industry. Um, and I feel like a lot of times people who aren't knowledgeable on stuff like this, that's the first place they look for people to learn is it, Instagram, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and people are usually like, do this diet, do that diet. Don't do cardio, do do cardio etc. Um, and it can be really discouraging and super overwhelming for people that don't know shit about the topic. Mm. So what qualities do you suggest, um, our audience could look for when finding a credible professional to like follow on Instagram or know someone's not just like bullshit. Hmm. Anytime anybody can guarantee you anything, they're full of shit. (laughs) Anytime. Anytime anybody says, I guarantee you'll lose this much or that, no, it's just, that's a lie. Like as much as I believe in my methods, I can't guarantee anybody anything on any time frame, and nobody can because life is unpredictable and we don't know what will happen until it happens, Mm -hmm. right? We can make educated guesses in the professional Mm -hmm. space, but we don't actually know um, because we don't know what will happen later today, let alone tomorrow. Absolutely. That's a big red flag. So, and that usually gets a lot of people because they'll post up a before and after of like 60 pounds lost and say, I can guarantee the same for you. Um, Yeah. So look for signs of transparency. Look for people admitting their own mistakes. Look for people that are willing to have discussions and look for people that are willing to be questioned on their own philosophies and back it up with conversations and statements. Nice. I love that. And like not using salesy talk. (laughs) Yeah. Like for me, I don't care if somebody questions my methods because it's my responsibility to then come up with a reason why I believe I'm correct. And if I like anybody out there subjects themselves to scrutiny, right? Like you should be questioned and it it will make you better if you are questioned. So if you're looking at a, at like something in the fitness industry that seems a little too on the nose, it's like, and you're not able to question it you probably shouldn't trust in that. Right. So look for people that are able to have open discussions, have phone calls with you Mm -hmm. and are completely like willing to be, to admit they're even wrong sometimes because that's important as well. Cause I've definitely been wrong many times. And that's right. Like, I love that you can say that because we all are, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's just that, that aspect of knowing that. And I love the idea of asking questions. Cause I think sometimes I know I used to follow like so many people in the bodybuilding industry. Cause I worked out with my friend for years who does like competitive weightlifting and stuff. And that was like, I was just so like checked into that. And like, I would always be like, Oh my gosh, they know so much. And then I would step back sometimes and be like, these girls have no credentials. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. They're just speaking from their own personal experience and their own personal knowledge. So I think you really need to love what you said, like with anything in life, you really just need to question that because you can let that rule your 
entire life and be taking advice from somebody who doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, truly. That's and I wish point. I would have had that outlook sooner. To yeah, be honest. I mean, absolutely. I, I've been in, yeah, I've been in fitness since 2011, I would say. And it's One like, time. if I had this mindset back then, I would probably be a lot further. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's just too good to be true online. Yeah. And like, even if somebody can like guarantee results or try to, or it looks good, like even my clients work their ass off. Like it's going to take something on your end to commit to your own process. Right. Um, but if you're looking for health professionals and you're looking for good information, look for people that either cite their information or admit when they're wrong. Like you want integrity yeah. whenever you're looking at all this type of stuff, you know? Yeah, exactly. And on the contrary, it's like, okay, it's all just information anyway. So you should be just open-minded about whatever you're reading, it, like looking at it with a grain of salt and saying, okay, this is just information. Yeah. This yeah. isn't everything. Like I think even what I'm saying key. is just information. Mm-hmm. And ju- just because somebody has a lot of followers doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about or, e- or even certified in anything. <laughs> That's very accurate. <laughs> we are, very we accurate. are spot on with this. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Frank, I know many people after this are going to want to talk to you. I just have a feeling. So can you go ahead, pimp yourself out and tell our audience where to find you on social media? Do you have a website? Um, and how can they get in mm-hmm. contact with you if they want to work with you? Okay. so. I have an Instagram account right now. It's at coach.frankymaz. My website's under construction at the moment. I'm like working on some things, but other than that, you can reach out to me there. Okay, perfect. We'll link it in the show notes so anybody can find you. But thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. I I genuinely feel like I learned so much and that was just very wholesome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Frank. See ya. Thank you. Later. Wow. I feel like I officially want to hire Frank. <laughs> Can, are we allowed to have the same coach, Kelsey? Oh yeah. He's great. Honestly. Like I'm so happy. I just love the way that I love his outlook on things involving um, like nutrition. And I just love that he was able to come on and like, really, you guys could really get a taste of what I've experienced over the past year and For sure. use his knowledge a little bit to help determine like your path with nutrition. And I think what he, like all the things he said, what I thought was so interesting is like, he is kind of, and so are you right? Like a prime example of the fact that there is like a lot of healing Mm -hmm. that's possible. If you find a path that really works for you and really feels good. I feel like some people, you know, you hear people who are older and they're like, I have been doing every diet under the sun since I was 16, you know, and it feels like there's no way out. So it's kind of so nice to know that there really is like light at the end of the tunnel, if that's something you are struggling with and there's better options available for you. It's amazing. Exactly. You just got to take time, commitment, you know, it's. I have no more thoughts in my head. You could just say like, it's a process that's worth it or something. Okay. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Sorry, Zach. Cut after whatever. I'm going to start again. (laughs) It's definitely a process, but I will say it is worth it. It is so worth it. So um, definitely check him out on Instagram. Um, He's like you said, he's updating his website right now. But like I mentioned in the episode, his Instagram is so informational. Like he's one of those type of people that 
post uh, like quotes kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't post just like pictures of himself. He posts like his own thoughts, educational thoughts. Yes. And I love it. And it's just a really like great person to follow. So, yeah, he gives he gives like a really good like mindset and vibe when I was on his Instagram, I was like, I feel good from this. Like, and you need more of that. We all need more of that on social media. So we hope you guys love this episode. Um, we hope you love Frank. We love him. (laughs) We are definitely excited to come out with more fun episodes. Um, now that we're in season two, it feels good to be back. We are very happy to be here. Season two. Hey, I didn't even realize that. Oh, that's exciting. Um, well, you know, even though it seems like me and Kelsey don't know what we're doing, we do have many fun plans coming up. So get excited. (laughs) Um, thank you guys so much for listening as always is the most fun that is in our week, getting to record and getting to hang out with you. So thank you again. Um, and don't forget if you ever need anything to That was terrible, but it's fine. (laughs) Love ya.